For the past few weeks, we've been reading from my namesake ancestors, the prophets. And today we have Jeremiah. And a lot of people, I think a lot of us in the, the Christian church, you know, we spend a lot of time in the New Testament, which we should. And Jesus is the latest, greatest prophet, right? But the prophets still have something to say to us because they spoke in in times of trouble and tribulation, mostly. And I want to commend to you this morning all of the introductions to the books of the Bible in Eugene Peterson's The Message. Eugene Peterson is now, is, is now in the church triumphant, as we would say, and, but he, he was a biblical scholar. He was a languages scholar, and he did you know, a translation of, of the Bible called The Message that has become very popular. Some people don't like it, tough. It's modern language. It's very well done. He really tried to stay true to the understanding of the original languages. But some of the gifts that he really gave us are the introductions to the books of the Bible. They're just beautifully written, and they really give you a different perspective. So I want to read you just the first two paragraphs of this one for Jeremiah, so you can get a sense of who this prophet is. Jeremiah's life and Jeremiah's book are one single piece. He wrote what he lived, and he lived what he wrote. There is no dissonance between his life and his book. Some people write better than they live. Others live better than they write. Jeremiah writing or living was the same Jeremiah. This is important to know because Jeremiah is the prophet of choice for many when we find ourselves having to live through difficult times and want some trustworthy help in knowing what to think, how to pray, how to carry on. Seem applicable? We like some verification of credentials. This book provides the verification. Love that introduction. So I want you to listen to now chapter 1, verses 4 through 10 of the prophet Jeremiah. Now, the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. But then I said, Lord God, truly, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a boy, for you shall go to all whom I send you and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put his hand and touched my mouth and the Lord said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to pull down, to destroy, and to overthrow, to build, and to... Here ends the reading. Things do not, I will say, ever go as planned. Ever. Why do you think that when you are working with an architect, that they have a blueprint... And then, when you're done with the project, they have to redraw the as-built. Right? We do this in our lives. We have a blueprint. 
it does not usually match the as-built or the as-becoming-built is what I would like to say because our lives are never finished until we meet God in that final time. We're always becoming something. And so in between the blueprint and the as-built is trouble, usually, right? Things do not go as we plan. My life has not been any different than that. Back before I came to Westminster, a little over 20 years ago, well, it was 23 or 4 years ago, I was a Lutheran, supposed to become a Lutheran pastor, supposed to serve under bishops. Well, I think the Holy Spirit had other plans. I ended up serving in a Presbyterian church and became a Presbyterian and was supposed to then be called to the church in which I was serving. But when it came time and I had permission to do that, they said, no, I don't think so. Okay, things are not going as planned. That was tough, right? Blueprint as built. So, as we were sharing with some friends last night, we tried to go back home, and back home for Jennifer and I is Nebraska. And now Nebraska is a big state, big, big state. And so I remember this. I was interviewing with a church in Lincoln, Nebraska. And on paper, I mean, we just lined up. Like, my gifts and skills and what they were looking for, perfect. Boom, here we go. I'm like, this is a slam dunk. Like, what's going to be the problem here? I get in the interview, and every single thing I said they questioned And not just questioned, they doubted. And about five questions in or so, I went, you know, it seems to me that someone has broken your trust. And it's my opinion that if I were to come and be your pastor, I would need to spend my ministry trying to rebuild that trust. And I don't know that that's what you want me to do. And it may be somebody who is much more skilled in that than than I am who needs to come and do that. Well, that was the end of the interview. And so, as we do in Presbyterian land, we have a national database of churches that are, that are looking, and so you can self-refer. So I, so I looked, I was looking around the country. We just decided, you know, we'll just open the door to whatever, whatever comes, and we looked at, and we found this place in Richmond, Virginia, a place we'd never been before. We'd lived in Arlington for a year for my internship, but we'd never been, you know, to what is supposedly the South, but the capital of the Confederacy, for sure. And things I didn't understand at all until about maybe six or seven years ago, just saying. It took me a long time to figure out what this place is about. But we, we looked, and, and things sort of lined up, and, and so we ended up being called here. Now, I, I, want, I want to tell you a little bit about Westminster Presbyterian Church. Before that time, Westminster was this very solid Presbyterian, you know, khaki pants and blue shirt pastor kind of place. People went to Davidson, they went to Union, they went to Princeton, they came from Scotland. I mean, these were, these were Presbyterian ministers. I'm a kid who grew up on a dairy farm in western Nebraska, a Lutheran. I, don't, I didn't go to any of the right schools, not from the south. I used to wear a tie, but you know, 
And so some wonderful things happened and, and we came together. And, and when I interviewed here, people say, well, how, you know, what do you think? And I said, well, I wouldn't look anywhere where I didn't think I wanted to stay for at least 10 years because why, why have a short range plan? Why think, oh, I'll be here three years and then I'm out. I mean, I, I don't, I, I've never been one of those, what I would call church steeple climbing kinds of people. Like I, I want to do what the job is or whatever God's calling us to do and, and be there. And, and, um, and I thought, oh, well, you know, we'll come in and some, we'll, we'll make, we'll be able to move some things forward. And then a decade will go by and we'll, we'll be on our way somewhere. Well, two decades have gone by. And they haven't just gone by, right? We talked about this this year because it's been my 20th anniversary and we've done some beautiful 20th anniversary things. And, but, but nothing that I imagine, well, very little of what I imagined in the very beginning has come to pass in the way that I thought it would come to pass. But much more beautiful things have come to pass. And so hearing these words from Jeremiah, right? Like, before, before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. I've made you a prophet. I've called you. I've consecrated you. I've set you apart. I didn't hear those words just to me. I did hear them to me, but I didn't hear them just to me. But, I, but I've definitely heard it for this congregation. That's the word for this congregation is... And many of you have said that, that you're happy for me, and I'm glad you are. I mean, I want, I want to say very publicly, I've said this privately, like, I'm not mad. Nothing's happened. Everything's good. There just comes a time when it's time to pass the baton. Somebody else needs to take up the race, right? And what I love about Presbyterian land is leaders. We have great elders. We have had great elders in this church for a long, long time. And since I've been here, I just, I have been proud and challenged to serve with the people who have been called to be our elders, to walk in step with you, to link arms with you. Like we have done, we have taken on some things that have been very troubling, very difficult. And we've also been able to complete some things that have been more magical and wonderful and be part of ministries that, we, that I never dreamed we'd be part of. And where I'm going comes out of the ministries that we were able to do together. To work in, in, to work in helping people recover from addiction and alcoholism came out of the work that we continue to do here at Westminster. That is not going to end. But I know that many of you are troubled are worried. Would the elders that are here today, the ones that are on session right now, would you stand, please? They're not all here today. Next week they will be, I assume. Because we're going to ordain a new elder and we're going to put in place, install the session for the next year on my last Sunday. These are some of the most wonderfully talented and dedicated people that you ever meet. They are, just, they are just an indication of the kind of people that Westminster is, right? All the people who have served as an elder in this church, would you stand up now? These leaders have given of themselves. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I called you. I set you apart. 
And I would say to the elders that are going to serve now, for such a time as this, you can sit back down. For such a time as this, to lead in this time, to help this congregation continue to move forward because we have a beautiful opportunity in this time. Your new pastor, whoever that person is, that God has probably already sort of been working around since all this has begun to happen, will be able to see opportunities that I never saw. They're going to be able to do things that I can't do. And that is beautiful and amazing, and that's the call upon all of our lives. And so I want to say to you today, God knows us. Jeremiah the prophet is, as Eugene Peterson said, you know, this, this prophet that we look to in times of trouble. And I love this phrase, or this paragraph, the next paragraph. And We live in disruptive times. The decades preceding and following the pivotal third millennium are not exactly unprecedented. This He was writing before all of the stuff we've just gone through in the past two or three years. There have certainly been comparable times of disruption in the past that, le- that left everyone reeling, wondering what on earth and in heaven was going on. But whatever their occasion or size, troubles require attention. I love that. In our society today, we, like, we, we would rather run from trouble. We'd rather, we'd rather dive into our, our cell phones or, or, or what happens for a lot of people, troubles are so overwhelming that they, that they use drugs and alcohol, all kinds of other addictions to cover up, to run away from those troubles. And, and we are at our best as, as human beings, and God calls us, especially called the prophets, but calls all of us to face our troubles, to give attention to our troubles. In times of change and transition, it is God saying, hey, pay attention, wake up, because most of the time when things are going good, we're sort of asleep, we're just happy-go-lucky. Man, this is great. Gravy train, man. And we should, we should celebrate. But it's the times of trouble that call us to attention and make those times even sweeter. To remember those times of beauty that have been better than the blueprint that we even had in our minds. What happens when everything you believe in and live by is smashed to bits by circumstances? Sometimes the reversals of what we expect from God come to us as individuals, other time as communities. When it happens, does catastrophe work to reform our lives to conform to who God actually is? and not the way we imagined or wished him to be? Because having a blueprint for what God is supposed to be usually messes us up. Because God is beyond all blueprints. God is underneath and through and under and working in to reform and form our lives to who we are becoming. Does it lead when we have troubles. Does it lead to an abandonment of God? And many people are abandoning God in these times because it is, these are not easy times. Or worse, does it trigger a stubborn grasping to an old collapsed system of belief holding on for dear life to an illusion? We also see this in our churches. But why can't it be like it was? 
Why can't we do this? Why, why, aren't, why aren't the Sunday schools full? Why, why isn't everybody in church every Sunday? Why can't we just keep doing the thing and everybody will just show up? Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. God is at work. God is moving things into a different place. In the case of this church, it moved us to take out the pews and create this space where we could have a choir up in the front, full and complete, with plenty of space to move and sing and share with us, to be in the back as well, to move things around, to be able to be adaptive to what God is calling us into right here and right now, what God is calling this church forward to do. And I believe and I know that God has been with this congregation for hundred, almost 140 years. Things do not go as planned. I was supposed to be a Nobel Prize winning research scientist. (laughs) And instead, at least at this point in time in our lives, God brought us to Richmond, Virginia to serve alongside you and to become the longest serving pastor that Westminster's ever had in almost 140 years. Who knew? Who knew? Well, Jeremiah would tell you who knew. And so my message today is, in times of change and in times of trouble, these are the times when God calls us to pay attention and when God is with us, when God reminds us that God is with us. And so for those of you that are members of Westminster and regular attenders of Westminster, Westminster needs you. Always has. Your elders need your support and your prayers. Your Christian education needs your support and your bodies to show up to protect our children and educate them. Your mind needs to be renewed by the studying of Scripture and the coming to worship. Your community needs you to love them in the way that God formed us to love one another and to love our neighbor. And so just remember what God says to all of us. Before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you. A prophet for the nations, that's what I had in mind for you. But I said, hold it. Mr. God, look at me. I don't know anything. I'm only a boy. And God said to me, don't say I'm only a boy. I'll tell you where to go and you'll go there. I'll tell you what to say and you'll say it. Don't be afraid of a soul. I'll be right there. And then God reached out and touched my mouth and said, look, I've just put the words in your mouth, hand delivered. See what I've done? I've given you a job to do among nations and governments. You see what I've done to you? I've given to you a job to do among nations and governments, among this people in Richmond, Virginia, and to the entire world. May the new life that Christ invites us into and the Holy Spirit of God enliven you as you trust that God knew you, knows you, and is forever with you. Amen.